Hello, everybody. Um, welcome back to the Sasquatch podcast. We are really excited to welcome Scott Joseph to the podcast. So hi, Scott. How's it going? Good. Good. I'm doing good. Good. Um, so I understand you're bilingual. Bienvenue. Yeah. <laughs> Sasquatch podcast. Is that good? Yeah, that's good. It's really good. Awesome. Um, so right off the bat, I think we're just going to start by asking you, um, how did you get introduced into track and field? Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into, um, yeah, track and I guess specifically long jump? Great. Um, it started in grade 10. Um, I was playing basketball and one of the track coaches saw me and they're like, they're like, you could be, you could be a really good high jumper. Right. And I thought to myself, no, I'm a sprinter. I'm not a jumper. And I kind of got into it. And I was I was actually joking around saying, track is easy. That's what I told everybody until I got into it. I'm like, oh, this is not as easy as I thought it was. And then um running into it and jumping. I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. I was just running and jumping pretty much. And they told me that was good. And pretty much that's how I got into it. That's amazing. So just for folks who maybe don't know where your your geographic location. So was this in Swift Current then? Was this yeah, yeah. first introduced? Awesome. So Swift Current, um, get into it from high school, sort of. We our sport sort of stole you from the basketball scene. I have to ask, what was your position in basketball? <laughs> I was center. You were a center? Yeah, I was, yeah. There you go. I mean, that makes sense for the hops piece, getting right. sort of pulled right into the jumps world. <laughs> it's so funny. Track coaches always do that with um, basketball, and they sort of, like, link basketball with high jump. And so it's funny that the coach was specifically like, you would be a great high jumper because I was always told, I don't know if this is true, but I was always told, but a layup is very much like a high jump takeoff. And so I think that's sort of how they link the two together. <laughs> that's funny. Mm -hmm. But then, okay, so then you get into the sport. Uh, we all we already know for the spoiler alert that you are very talented in the sport of track and field. How did it go about for you doing your first um, university recruitment process? Or how did that work for you? Were you approached or were you applying to schools or sort of how did you first get started into the university scene? Um, I got approached by by Wade, obviously. Um, I was in grade 11 and he pretty much helped me out since then before I even got into university. And I trusted him and I knew his work was good and he's really, he was he was a pro, uh, former long jumper and that kind of helped me make, it made the decision a lot more easier for me. And and since I looked at his resume, and he's probably one of the best long jump coaches we had in Canada, and that's why I made the decision to go to Regina. Shout out! I mean, I'm gonna be biased as a Regina alumni, so it was great to see you when I moved back here and there at the track. Obviously, our workouts didn't correlate, but it was so nice to be at the track with you. So. You jumped really far. I would love to talk about your 788 in Edmonton. Walk us through that day. Were you nervous going in? Were you really calm going in? How did that jump come to fruition? Because 788 is no joke because you were a U20 athlete when that happened. I think so, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So um, we, were, we were actually expecting that because I literally had like a month of training before 
that happened. And before that was cool. So I was pretty much not doing anything. And I head back to Regina with Wade and we're just training. And our goal was just to jump over 750, really. And then the atmosphere was what changed it. I see I had uh, Johnny from Edmonton, which is also like a 720 jumper. And he just motivated me to jump far. And the crowd was just going crazy. It was just the energy I had in me and just jumped really. So. When you landed, did you know that you were like, this is a big jump? Or did you have to wait to see the mark? I didn't know. I, I felt like a good jump, but it was, I did feel like a 788. So just hearing that, I just kind of was like, wow, I didn't know I could jump that far, really. That's awesome. So I don't think I've actually seen you jump before. So I have to ask, are you a clapper? Um, I'm not usually because I'm, I'm shy and nervous. Usually mm -hmm. tell me to do it just to get me more pumped up. But I would do it sometimes. Um, just last weekend, I did it by myself, my own, my own choice, I guess, which I feel, it feels good. It feels good when you do it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's nice to have that extra backup, um, and it does make a big difference. It the the energy and the atmosphere changes when you do a clap. Um, I was never a clapper when I was doing field events. I did it one time, and it just never ever happened again. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was wondering. If you could talk to us a little bit about some of your favorite memories with the Cougars and talk about how that transition has gone, because even though you live in another province now, we still see you as one of our Saskatchewan athletes. So I was wondering if you could talk about, I know you had your university experience over a pandemic, but I was wondering if there were any like top memories. And I did see Logan and Thomas at the track today. Logan still said to say that you guys have a jump competition that is overdue. <laughs> <laughs> um Regina and Cougars will forever be my, like my first family for sure um going to my first year I was so scared going into it but everybody around me just made it easier for me to become comfortable and they were so supportive they were like trying to motivate me especially Shane Patmore and Erica Stockhorse they were like my big brother big sister pretty much they're like, they've been there if I was down. They were there to motivate me, uh, keep my head up. Um, even when I did good, they were there for me. And the thing, the thing is about the Cougars is they had more, um, they had more, they, <laughs> they believed in me more than I did myself. And just like seeing that just kind of makes me feel good, knowing that there's other people that believe in me and that made me want to like do better for myself and to prove to them that they're not wrong. So I'm very grateful for like, you know, being around them and the love they have showed to me. So I'll forever, forever be grateful for that, so. That's such a great answer. I know your teammates are probably gonna like sniffle when they hear that. Oh my goodness, they're gonna be so emotional. Scott, you softy, you, I had no idea. <laughs> so now we find, I guess, Let's talk about some of your time with the Cougars. Um, do you have a favorite meet or do you have a very memorable race even? Because I know you've mentioned sprinting is still in your back pocket as well. Uh, is, there any, is there a Can West or maybe even like a championship that stands out for you? Uh, Can West for sure, for sure. Um, I was, what do you call it? I, I, was, I was competing injured, right? 
And I was like, why am I even here? There's no point in me being here. And I had Ron McLean at the time. Um, I think he ran his race and he did very well. And that just like motivated me. He came back, he said, you got this. And I was like, okay, now it's time for me to actually just put everything out. Um, and you saw the team coming in closer, just supporting. I was like, oh man, I actually got to jump far now. And then like Saskatoon, when he jumped far, I was like, oh my God, I really, really have to jump far. So um, I would never forget that. Just like the, the everybody, like, you know, the scenery, like energy in the room, just, I would never forget that. It was amazing. I mean, maybe this is a good chance to talk about this because I feel like that jump off with Mike probably isn't going to be your last one, seeing as it just happened to very recently this yeah. season. Um, how, do you know Mike outside of track or when did you and Mike first meet? We met through track in grade 10, actually, provincials. And were you both in long jump at the time or which? Uh, we were both in long jump at the time, yeah, yeah. And what's the rivalry? Is it a friendly rivalry or is it a talk trash to one another kind of rivalry? I don't know what long jump is like. Are you guys friendly rivals? We're, we're pretty much like brothers, but people like that, that see us from like the outside, they think we're like fighting, but it's just jokes. That's how, that's how we are with each other. We just kind of pick on each other. Um, but when it comes on to long jump, it's serious competition. Like we don't know each other type of thing. And um, it's been like that since grade 10. It's like back and forth between me and him who's gonna jump the farthest. And it's always been like that since we met, so. That's good. It's it's um, something that can push both of you, I think. It's a really healthy exactly. rivalry, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I don't know if I mentioned this in the beginning, but I understand you're joining us today from sunny San Diego. Can you talk a little bit about just the facility that you're at and why you're there? um ac which is athletics canada uh they do have this training program they they set up uh, throughout the year and the athletes get to go to it um so there's a bunch of us here right now just kind of get into the warm weather just getting on more facilities because some of us don't have that back in canada and warm weather too is really nice um you have access to physio like all that therapists um like some stuff like we don't have back home where we have pay for it in which which here is free you have access to that um whenever you can you know and lodging is free as well so you know like i don't know like just being here surrounded by other athletes just makes you want to be better or get to their level especially just training besides pro athletes just makes you want to like you know be like them in the future so yeah have you been to the chula vista training center before or is this your first time visiting my, this facility my first time being here and are you enjoying the food situation that they have for you for all three meals being prepared? <laughs> I've been going to bed full, like three meals a day. It's like, holy. It's, it's good meals, like um, three meals a day. <laughs> it gets you full by the end of the day, so. Yeah, but um, just to sort of elaborate on that for our listeners, the Chula Vista Training Center is what's well, a pretty phenomenal center i've been there myself i've been to the track to race i believe adria has been there as well um amazing track just an all-around awesome facility so that's pretty awesome that you get to take advantage of that right now and be in the sun 
And yeah, so I guess you're in Chula right now, um, enjoying that warm weather training camp. How is training going? Because I know you've mentioned that you've had some injuries plaguing you in the past. Do you feel like you could say that you're feeling healthy now or on the upward trend? Um, we've done some creeping. I noticed there was a sub 760 very recently as well. So um, I'm, I guess I'm curious, is this a healthy sort of upwards trend or is this we're still kind of working through some injuries? Oh, we're still kind of working towards, uh, um, it's not fully healed yet, but it's getting there. Um, but like, if I think about, about six months ago, I wasn't really able to walk. So being here right now is just amazing and kind of like a blessing. And like, I am a lot stronger than I was six months ago, but I'm not at the top shape where I know I can be. So it's just kind of like progressively working to get to the best shape I can be by the summer. So, yeah. Speaking of summer, what are can you share with us what you're maybe working towards, whether it's this year or maybe it's trying to get some marks in and prep for 2024? I know you've mentioned you're, you're quite a humble athlete and shy, but I'd love to sort of hear what are some of those maybe thoughts creeping in the back of your mind for what you're working towards? Um, everything goes well this summer. Um, Worlds is one of the meets I'm trying to uh, attain. And if that doesn't work out, we also have Pan Am in November, actually. So that's those two are the main I'm trying to go to. And I just found out recently there's NACAC U23, which I'm able to go to. So if that happens, um, I'm willing to go. So, yeah. Keeping your horizons open. We love to see it. Um, sounds like I can hopefully plan to see you at Nationals then? Yeah, I'll be there for sure. Nationals in Langley. We'll have a little Team Sask recap, see how things are going. <laughs> um, is there any other indoor races that you're planning for? Or is this sort of your transition into outdoors before maybe you go back home to Calgary? Um, I think I am done for um, indoors right now. I'm just kind of doing prepping for outdoors right now. Um, I wasn't supposed to compete indoors, but since I healed a little faster, I guess decided to put that in. So doing some benchmarking i i can appreciate that sometimes it's good to get hungry and get on a start line exactly, yeah mm -hmm. um and since adrian just mentioned this um you're in calgary now right you're living there um can you talk to us just about your um i guess your new training situation there who's your coach tell us about some of your training partners yeah um Going to Calgary, is, I don't know, it was a big change for me, and I just kind of had to get adjusted to everything. But once I got settled in, I was like, this is, this is, this feels nice. Like, the whole team is nice to me, supportive. Everybody kind of, like, push each other during practice, which is amazing. Um, the coaches, my coaches are James and James. Um, they've both been helping me since September. Oh, injuries, training, everything, and they're amazing. They're amazing. So I'm kind of, I'm, I am glad to be in Calgary right now. So it's nice. That's good. awesome. And you sound like you're settled then. You have your living situation figured out. And then are you training full time then right now? Is that your main priority? Yeah, I am. I am. So I, I also, I always love to ask uh, athletes this. Do you have a favorite venue that you've competed at? The Butterdome maybe? <laughs> it's where the magic happened. Yeah, uh, like. Me, it's like every time I've been there, I've always PB. Either that's in six year long jump. So that's your PB facility. Exactly. Yeah, that's why I like that. <laughs> I like the track. Head. 
it is a fast track so i can't i i i can i can confirm <laughs> it is a fast track with the green and gold all over the place um i guess we've, we've had a chance to chat about you started way back when in high school we our sports stole you from the basketball scene um you had that first taste of a university experience with the cougars um got carded at a very young age set a lot of highly accoladed u20 records with your long jump career um now we find you based in calgary currently at chula vista doing a training camp along the pros i would love to hear who some of your role models are in the sport and who are some of those people you're looking up to and maybe they're at the camp you're at are you starting to associate that maybe they're your peers versus people that you're looking up to um i think that's a good question actually um i do have people that i look up to but like mainly like people that are close to me as well. Michael, for instance, um, back in Regina, Shane Patmore, Erica Stockhorse, and Jolie Welburn, um, especially Jolie, because like she works hard during training. And Allison Edwards as well. They both work hard. And just watching them just makes you want to be at their level. Like they're so dedicated to the sport. And just that motivates me. And just outside of that, there's also Damon Warner, I look up to, Canadian favorite. Um, we have Marcus Dandy from, from the United States. He's a funny guy, but I do like I do like him. Um, Is he at the camp with you right now? No, he's not, he's not, he's not. Oh, I met okay. him last year, but he's a really nice guy. So, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. amazing. So it sounds like you have some pretty, great role models who you can look up to. Um, I guess, what does it look like for you to reach those levels for yourself? I just, I don't know, I'm working towards to break eight meters, you know, just get to that eight meter mark. Um, and then after that, I just kind of work to going against one of the best in the world, you know, um, just kind of represent the country as well in championships. So that's one of my goals that I want, I want to attain. Well, I can confirm from the Regina perspective, everyone is always super impressed by your performances. Everyone is just like, Scott's jumping, it's gonna be far. Like there's there's no doubt of your capabilities. Everyone is so confident in your skill set. So I do hope in the way that the Ron McLeans come up to you after his race and are like, you got this bud, like it's it's no joke. We we all are hundred percent cheering for you and hundred percent believe in you. So I hope I hope that's kindling some of the internal self-belief for you as well. Um, I, I know we'll be cheering for you when we cross paths on maybe some of the Canadian circuit races or maybe if we're both in the States. I know our events don't necessarily correlate between the three of us. Um, I mean, Astra's maybe been doing some long jump recently, so maybe you two might have a few more races that line up before my 800s. <laughs> you guys, slow. So when you're not at the sport, what where can we find you? I'm guessing a basketball court might be one of the places, um, but what where do we find you when you're not competing? Um, either, like you said, the basketball court or I'm at home drawing. Um, a lot of people don't know that I draw. Until I didn't I know either. <laughs> work, they're like, oh, wow, you're actually really good at it. I was like, yeah, I've just been doing it since I was six. And that's how I passed time, just drawing all day, so. What do you draw, can I ask? Yeah, I do like uh, a lot of like anime stuff. Um, sometimes I do a lot of animals. Um, that's pretty much like what I draw actually. So anime and animals. How did you like know that? you were gonna say anime? <laughs> there was a part of me that was sitting and I was like, he is going to say anime. 
I watch a lot of anime. That's amazing. I didn't know you could sketch. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, cool. Um, I always like to ask the question too. I know you, you've had a lot of really cool experiences. If there's any wisdom or advice that you'd like to share to your peers or um, maybe something you'd want to tell your younger self when you were first getting started in the sport. Um, be patient. Can't rush everything. Um, just take things one step at a time. I know like everybody says this all the time, but it, you really got to be patient and just trust in your work and continue working hard and everything will be perfect. Not perfect. Everything will be all right at the end of the day. So that's great Stage advice. advice. Yeah. Great advice. We love it. I have to say this too. It just sounds like you surround yourself with a lot of good people, Scott. Um, just listening to you talk about um, your role models and you chose all of the people that you've just been training around, well, training with, or, you know, you've seen training at, at um, the University of, of Regina when you were there. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I always tell Michael when I'm at the track, I'm always just like, yeah, I'm very team Michael. I'm here for the comeback. Maybe I'm also team Scott. <laughs> so I, I am really rooting for you. Um, I, I think that there are some really amazing big things coming up for you. So um, best, best of luck for, yeah, the upcoming summer and everything that you're going to be doing this summer. That means a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm going to be cheering for the, the one two finish for Scott and Mike and have yeah. to on the podium. I don't know if you switched to Athletics Alberta or not, but we'll still claim you as a Sask athlete if that's all right with you. That's fine. That's fine. But yeah, my hope is I see you both on the podium. You're both healthy because I know he's also coming back from an injury. Is that something you two actually talk about or do you guys have that sort of connection where you talk about what yeah. you went through or is that sort of like an off limits topic when you're <laughs> um, direct competitors? It's funny because like we're like people think we're like twins because everything that happens to me happens to him and it's been like that since high school um i get injured he gets injured or he runs the same time around the same time it's it's been like that since high school um we talk about injuries all the time and i keep telling people that mike is injured right now but the numbers he's able to do right now is kind of impressive and he's not even healthy yet and i tell people like this summer is going to be a good summer for him Everybody oh, yeah. should, I should watch out for him. So it's going to be good. It's going to be a good competition. So it's so funny to listening to you talk about like you coming back and um, competing indoors because Mike wasn't also going to compete this indoors because they didn't think he was going to heal that fast. <laughs> and so when you said that, I was like, interesting. You know, it's like you guys really are sort of in sync. Yeah. You guys are like speed healing, let it manifest itself. And then you're like, we're both going to be at the indoor season and have a jump off. <laughs> I love it. That's I'm so calling good. it here today. Now we're going to see you both at nationals and maybe we're going to cross some of those eight markers even. So regardless of when it comes, because we're going to take the advice of patience here today, but we're, we're a hundred percent supporting you. And I hope that you guys are able to keep each other in a friendly accountability situation. And it sounds like you guys already have been. Awesome. Well, just to be respectful of your time too, thank you so much for coming and finding the time to chat with us. I know you're busy. I know you've been competing. I know you're in another time zone than us right now. So thank you so much for the conversation. It's great to just sit down and actually chat with people when we're not in the midst of practice or competing. And 
um, yeah, you just learn how cool people are and all the things that they do outside of the sport. So thank you for sharing that with us. It was great to hear your story and hear all the good things that are still coming for you. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So you speak French. Yes. That's your first, like, your primary language. Um, yes. Can you just sort of share a little bit about your upbringing as to, you know, how, yeah, you have French as your first language? Um, well, so I was born in Africa uh, in a country called Niger, where in French we're called Niger. Um, and then that's their, their main language is French. And that's how, you know, grew up speaking French, move, move up from there in 2011, moved to Winnipeg. And which we the French community, which is where we spoke a little bit. And then we moved to current England. And and then yeah. That's how I got, you know, relocated into current. Wow, that's so interesting. So how old were you when you moved from well when you said it was much much more magical, Niger to um Winnipeg? How old were you? I was about ten, 10 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah. Astrid, how old were you when you moved to Canada from Africa? I was 12 when I moved, but I didn't move. Okay, so I don't speak any other languages other than English, <laughs> um, which people are always surprised when I say that because my mom is from the Philippines and my dad is from Ghana. So you would think I could. And then I grew up in South Africa. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So people are very surprised when I say I can only speak English, but. Um, my parents only ever really spoke English to my brothers and I. And then, um, I mean, in school, we have to take Afrikaans. And so I could probably understand the real basic basics of it. Um, and then when we moved, um, I think at, at that point, I had taken one year of Zulu. And then, yeah, that was it. So, but I'm learning French, Scott. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning French right now, and Adrian knows that I've tried many times. Like I took a, I took another like class or whatever, and I try. I, I it comes in waves, so I'll be I'll be on a wave where I'm really good and consistent, and then I sort of get really busy and I fall off the wagon. And so it's kind of you know off the wagon right now, yeah. but I'm trying. <laughs> no, I do like even for me like. It came to a point where I learned to learn my French a little bit. And I was like, that's not fair. My, my little they all completely forgot how to speak French completely. And I, you know, I didn't want to lose my main language. And so that's why I programmed to French education so I can keep language going. So I do understand. Like, that used to, before coming to Canada, I spoke about five different languages. Oh, wow. And just the only one those, those, so. mm. Yeah. Cool. So do you speak French with your parents? Yes, I do. Mm. That's cool. I can appreciate it. It's hard to learn French in Saskatchewan if you're not in a Francophone community. I, I also wanted to learn French. I went and did some immersion programs. But the problem was is that I didn't speak any French when I went out and the placement exams, I was 
told to fill them out. So I did, but I guessed too well. So I got placed in a class where I was being taught French in French when I didn't speak any French. So my first two weeks, I sat there not even knowing they were calling my name in attendance. <laughs> <laughs> but then the problem was, is that I learned to hear and speak the language, but I can't send an email. I can't conjugate anything. Um, I have functional French, I guess you could say. So if I need to order off a menu or if I need to um, ask questions about the train that I'm trying to take somewhere, I feel like I can do that or ask or order a coffee or something. Um, but I feel like if I have to email somebody in French, it's going to look like a kindergartner probably tried to write it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it is challenging. So I felt like when I was over there, it was hard to switch thinking in languages because I felt like the girls could translate really fast because some of them did immersion in very Anglophone communities. Um, but when I was there, I just straight up didn't know what they were saying. I was like, qu'est-ce Genesis, Genesis. That was pretty much what I said for the first two weeks for everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think there was a point where it was really, really hot. And I think I actually dreamed in French. And I was like, I think I'm thinking in French finally. But then it's interesting for memory recall, because when I came home, my family would be like, oh, tell us about your experience. But I would want to tell them the experience in French because it happened to me in French. It was really hard for me to tell the story in English. Like it didn't sound right. So I think that's really interesting for you. To or, and like kudos to you to be in very Anglophone communities and maintaining your French with an education program. Cause I, I can appreciate it. it was hard for me and like my family doesn't speak French. So when I came home, I didn't have anyone to sort of carry it out with. It's sort of when I go somewhere, I always joke that if someone tells a joke in French, I might laugh at it. But if they ask me why it's funny, I'll be like, ah, I'm thinking in English. I, I can't answer you in French yet. <laughs> like it, it takes me a while to switch the thinking process. So. I do feel like the language pieces are really um, useful and important, and especially on like an international scene when you're traveling. I'm sure it's come in handy once or twice. Does. But yeah, anyways, there's like our very minimal French combined <laughs> background. <laughs> Astra can probably read and write it much better than I can. The reading, um, you know what? It's funny. The reading and writing, I can do it. I can do it. I might, I can possibly do a little bit of con like conjugating as well but um half the time if i'm reading it i will i don't know what i just read but i know i said it right because <laughs> i've i've gone through like learning all of the like basics and the sounds and everything and so when i'm reading it i can be like look at it and read it but not be like i don't know what i just said <laughs> I mean, I would never know that English isn't your first language based on a speaking mm -hmm. level. I can't say as I've ever read any of your writing, but I'm sure it's just as great. Um, so kudos to you for being like the true bilingualist, or I think you said five languages at one point, so good for you. <laughs> what were the other, what are the other languages that? Um, you're like, um, we call it mother tongue, we call it. Uh, sort of Zarma and like Nigeria was like a Muslim country, sort of Arabic as well. Um, my mom's language, I forgot what it's called actually. Um, and my dad, Sudanese, which that's what he speaks. And the other one was Hausa. So, yeah. So that's actually like five plus French plus English. Yeah. Include French and B6, yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah, very you cool. You go like Coco, holy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
for tuning in to this week's Sasquatch podcast with Scott Joseph. It was great to chat with him about his start in sport and his current pursuit to represent Canada in Budapest at Worlds and Long Jump this summer. To follow his journey, follow his Instagram page at Scotty underscore Joe 22 and keep tuning in to Sasquatch for results. This summer we'll be on the lookout for when Scott and Michael have their next long jump competition together and we'll be closely eyeing the results to see who will conquer the 8 meter mark first. As of today, going into that competition, Scott's mark is 788 and last week at Cannon West, Michael improved his mark to 759. So both are up and coming and bets are now getting placed for who's going to get there first. Thanks again to you, our listeners, for joining, and see you next time as we chat about the upcoming new sports championships in Saskatoon. Bye for now.